It's February, and that means two things. It's Groundhog's Day, and it also means that 96% of people have already forgotten their New Year's resolutions, and they're about to live the same year over again. But not you, because for the month of February, my free gift to you is your golden ticket to a new year. With my Brave Vision Blast Off Workbook, you will gain clarity, which is the number one reason why most women quit. They don't know what to do. So find out what you're called to do, harness your energy, gain momentum, reach your goals this year, and experience a brand new year, not just another year. Don't leave your success to chance. Go to braveheartedwoman.com forward slash vision blast off to get your free download today or just click the link in the notes. You'll be so glad you did. Hey, this is Dawn Damon, the Braveheart Mentor, and you're listening to my podcast, The Bravehearted Woman. I'm here to raise the brave in you. So if you haven't done so, hit subscribe so you never miss another episode. All right, you ready to get your brave on? Let's do this. Hey, Bravehearted Woman, it is wonderful to be with you today. And today we're going to be talking directly to you and maybe speaking to some of the issues of your heart that you've been wondering about. So stay tuned. I want to introduce you to the guest that I have on the Bravehearted Woman today. She holds a master's degree in clinical psychology a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she's the president and the owner of her own practice called Healing the Mind and Spirit, providing psychotherapy services to couples and family, individuals, adolescents, and children. And she also provides coaching services that cover a variety of topics and creative blocks from nutritional uh, nutritional issues and women's issues and all those things, she is ready to coach you. She's also an author and has just released a new book called Many Voices, One Truth. I want you to welcome to the Bravehearted Woman today. She is a sister. She is a Bravehearted Woman, Tracy Terrace. Hey, Tracy. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. (laughs) Oh, it's so good to have you. I've had you on some other podcasts and now I get to have you on the Bravehearted Woman. And today I just want to have a conversation with you. I was really struck last time I talked to you about the wisdom that you have and the way that you just spoke to the hearts and the minds of women. And so I want to do that again today. And I want to thank you for how the Lord uses you in such a unique way. So yes, you're on the Bravehearted Woman. Tell us, Tracy, you have a new book out. Tell us a little bit about your book, what it's about, and why you wrote it. Well, it's about, um, basically, it's about negative thoughts and how to overcome negative thoughts. And I wrote it because as a marriage and family therapist, I realized that much of what bogs women down and just people in general is the way they're thinking about things. And I always say all of us have a measure of faith, even people who don't believe in God, because faith requires you to believe something. And so in the book, I use the analogy of broadcast networks, the ones that I grew up with, which were ABC, NBC, CBS, and PBS. Uh, There was cable when I was growing up, but we didn't have cable. And so I take those four networks and tie them to 
the networks, if you will, that broadcast to the human mind. There's many of them, but the the major ones that I see in my practice and in in counseling people at church and you know in discipleship times, the major broadcasters are self, Satan, society, and Savior, and. At any given time, these voices are competing for your intention. Even um, the Lord competes. But the thing about Christ is he speaks in a still small voice, while all of these other voices are really broadcast really loud and insistent and persistent. And in the book, I break down the differences and, and teach the reader how to identify which voice is broadcasting and how to turn down some of them to tune into the voice of Christ. And so when I say no one has a problem with faith, I mean, what I mean is any one of these different voices can be broadcasting to your mind and you believe it like that. You just take it and run with it. Whereas Jesus is broadcasting as well. Um, to your mind, but also in the word. And we'll read the word and believe it for other people. But a lot of times, especially as women, we won't believe it, you know, for ourselves. So I wrote this book to help people to tune in to the voice of Christ and follow not only his lead, but to believe what he says about them because he's their creator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so powerful. I love that. So let's just say those four S's again. So we're having all of these voices that are being broadcast to us from self, Satan, society, and our savior. How do we know or discern what voice is speaking to us? How do we get on the frequency? Is there some clues that you give us in your book? Oh, yeah. I'll give a little bit for each one of them. So the self can either be an affiliate of God or an affiliate of the Satan network. And, or it could just be your own neurochemistry and your patterned ways of thinking. And so the way you tell the difference, if, if it's life affirming and it's good and it leads you to either help yourself or help others, it's coming from the affiliate of God. If it's, you know, negative comparison, it might be coming from society. If it's negative and and uh, tearing you down, it's probably coming from Satan or the side of yourself that has that has negative beliefs about yourself. If it's society, society can also be um, an affiliate of the God voice or Satan voice because God uses people. Like if you get on social media, there's so many people out there helping others, helping people to have paradigm shifts and think differently of things. So when, when society is broadcasting and that's what you're receiving, that's a good thing. It could be an affiliate of the savior's voice. When society's voice leads you to disparaging yourself, feeling not good enough or comparison, then it's it's probably either, you know, uh, the it's probably the uh, affiliate of the Satan voice. Now, while society and Satan can um, society and self can be affiliates of Satan or uh, savior, savior and Satan cannot be have nothing to do with each other. You know, mm-hmm. what does good have to do with right. evil? What is um, you know, the Satan have the lie will have to do with Christ, right? right? So when you are in in the book, I talk about when it's coming from Satan, it'll be like he's kind of like a used car salesman saying, "Act now, hurry! You have to get this. You're gonna be left out," and you know things like that. But if it's coming from the Savior's voice, you know God will express to you and lead you in the direction you should go via the Holy Spirit. But he does not take away 
your rights or your uh, will, your own free will to do so. So God speaks in a still small voice, but it will be coming to you in an edifying way. It might be coming to you in a rebuke, but it's for your own good or for the good of someone else. So the book really breaks down, like each voice has a dedicated chapter and it talks about what these voices sound like, the kind of information they probably broadcast, you know, with self, um, how your family history plays into that and your upbringing and everything like that. But each chapter also uses different tools that I use here in my practice. Mm -hmm. I combine uh, what's called cognitive behavioral therapy and prayer practices I've learned on years and years of going on prayer retreats with other therapists and psychologists and, and helpers, mm -hmm. um, as well as prayer retreats, either just by myself or with a friend or two. Mm -hmm. I want to back up too, because you said that Satan says things like, hurry up, do it now. You're going to miss out and FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Yeah. All of those <laughs> things that um, feel like accelerating, like do it now, hurry up. And it creates some anxiety. And that's kind of sneaky because maybe you wouldn't think that that's the enemy. But I've always been told that what Satan can't stop or hinder, that he'll try to accelerate and bring into our life too quickly so we make bad decision. Isn't it true that sometimes that voice can be like an angel of light? You might think that it's the savior, but yeah. it's coming from, again, how do we discern? I imagine we just have to line it up with the word of God, right? You line it up with the word of God and you remember that God gave you a mind so that you can think. God doesn't uh, uh, mind. I don't think that God minds you taking time to process and think through if I do this, then what's the logical course or why should I do this? And asking God, you know, speak to me, is this coming from you? You know, it will be very methodical. So one of the reasons, one of the ways you can tell is if it is a rushing act now, because Satan doesn't want you to think, because when you, when you act mm -hmm. impulsively, you're not going to make the best decision. You may not necessarily make a terrible decision, but it's not going to be the best decision. So like sometimes God will be um, uh, saying, saying something like not necessarily act now, but, you know, this is important, you know, because sometimes we drag our feet on an assignment or we drag our feet yeah. on something that he's instructed us to do. And God may state, you know, uh, something like, or encourage you to, you know, get busy with it, like get on it but it still won't be an absence of thinking through it. When it's Satan, it's a it's the pressure where you can't think or your thoughts are, you know, spinning around and wobbling around in your mind, whereas with when it's coming from God, you are able to use your cognitions, which is, you know, how we think in our brain and you're encouraged to think through it and there is a peace about it. Like there isn't any peace when it comes from Satan, you feel afraid and, you know, you operate from a level of fear rather than a level of love and decision and precision. Mm -hmm. So I'm hearing too, it's very important for us to think about what we're thinking about, like have some yes. examination about our thoughts. I want to ask you in a moment, how we get into that frame of mind so we can do some thought examination, but you yourself had a personal experience that caused you to think about 
what you believe in your belief system. Tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah, that was the um, the main catalyst for the book. My uh, younger sister, I'm the oldest of six girls and four oh. boys. My uh, youngest, what? one of what? my younger sisters. You yeah. have you yeah. have nine siblings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And you're the three oldest. The siblings are, and I'm the oldest. Yeah. Three of the three of the siblings siblings are from another mom with my dad, and then the rest of us are from uh, my mom. But one of my younger sisters. Yeah, no wonder you had so a stroke. Wisdom. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I did spend a lot of time like raising them or helping my mom to raise them because my mom worked really hard and worked all of our lives. Like people try to talk her into just getting food stamps or getting all welfare, but my mom always wanted to work. And I think my my work ethic comes from her. But uh, one of my siblings, my younger sisters, uh, not the youngest, the one that smacked dab in the middle, actually, uh, she had a stroke and she was only 37 years old. And so the, all of us had gone down, the sisters had gone down to Texas to help her navigate that. And when we got there, you know, all of my sisters responded to her stroke in a different way. Like a couple of them leading into God, another one distracted herself in, in the way she normally distracts herself. And you would think that me being the therapist that I would lean into God, but I absolutely did not. I just dove in, rolled up my sleeves and started trying to um, put services in place because I knew she wouldn't be able to return to work. She lived with just her two children. And so in the profession I am in, we often work with social workers or case managers that will put uh, um, things in place for people. So I set about trying to get services so that she could have money to pay for her life until she was strong enough to go back to work. But in the course of all of this, I started feeling just this anxiety and stress, which I thought was normal because of what I was trying to put into place. But then I also started feeling like sad and depressed and suddenly started having suicidal thoughts and feelings. And so what what was really going on was I was feeling the anxiety and the sadness because my younger sister was only 37 and she had this brush brush with death almost because anybody that has a stroke, you don't know which way it's going to go. Like, fortunately, my sister was young enough to just kind of bounce back and recover. But it brought up for me a memory where my mother traced a line in my palm and told me that I was going to die young. So I spent much of my childhood and young adulthood believing that I was going to die young. At this point in the game, I think it was 40 something, like 42 or three or something like that. I had dealt with that belief. I had gone to therapy. I had given it over to Christ. But my sister coming having a stroke brought it up to the surface. So it was still deep down in there, even though I had done all of this work. And so when I realized that I was feeling this way, I wanted to go home. I wanted to escape. I wanted to go home to the life that I had created for myself, that God had blessed me with, with, with my husband and my two daughters. And I wanted out of that, you know, stress and death and fear. And so the minute I had that thought, I started feeling guilty. Uh, when I was younger, I had um, 
this aunt that would always tell me that I was evil and that I was going to burn in hell. I now realize that she said that because I had my own mind. I was like a bit of a nonconformist as a child. And I would ask questions and, and think through things and come to a different conclusion than what I was told. And I realize now that many times when she was telling me that it was because I was thinking, you know, for myself or questioning. So, but I believed it. I believed that I would you know, uh, burn in hell someday. And so even with that belief, I had done a lot of work on that. And I believed I was a child of God. I believed that I was saved and, you know, that I, you know, when I leave this earth, uh, I would go, you know, to heaven, but those guilty feelings of wanting to get away instead of like, I, I believe that I ought to want to be there and help my sister. I should, want to be there and and help her and guide her and fill it stand in the gap for her and that my wanting to go home to my safety and security of my family was evil. And so those thoughts of dying young and feeling like I was all of that stuff came rushing to the surface even though it wasn't necessarily my crisis it was my sister's crisis. Mm-hmm. So it was a family crisis mm-hmm. but it was still so it really made me examine what do I believe? Like, do I really believe that I belong to God? Do I really believe that I've put aside that belief that I would, you know, die young? And so it it really had me examining what I thought about myself and what my own belief systems were on a deep level. And it it led me to writing this book. Like the original title was called Belief Beyond Belief, because it's kind of like getting to a knowing rather than just belief, like belief is good, but you get to a knowing where you rest in, in that faith. And, you know, like, I know that God exists. I don't just believe he exists. Yeah. Where you're mm-hmm. talking about, you stepped into that environment with, where there was stress and yeah, death was there and that in fear. And it was just like a tornado that just began to disrupt mm-hmm. your spirit. But the good news was that God allowed that circumstance to uh, bubble up part of the iceberg yeah. was still invisible to you, but, but still there. Yeah. And, um, you know, what, when we know better, we do better. And so once you had that revelation, you were able to, to, to go through it and, and think about what is operating in my unconscious that's perpetuating behaviors and you've shared this information now with others. The thought life is tremendously powerful, isn't it? And accompanied yes. with that, specifically our, our identity, how we think about ourselves or how we feel about ourselves, because we can't rise above mm-hmm. our self-image, can we? No, we can't. Like your identity, uh, I once heard somewhere that identity is the strongest force in the universe, like, you know, where people are concerned. Like, I believe love is the strongest force in the universe, but I get that that uh, idea about whatever it is you believe about yourself, that's what you're going to see show up in your life because you're going to either consciously or unconsciously choose behaviors based on that belief. So like the funny thing about like when I was in Texas, I do believe that I'm compassionate and a nurturer. I do believe that I'm motherly. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been rolling up my sleeves, doing all this stuff for my sister, right? But then on the other hand, still having that belief that maybe I am 
somehow evil or selfish, not other oriented. You know what I mean? And that if I, if I truly believe that about myself, I would have stayed in California. I would have sent my sister a card, maybe sent her some flowers, told her I was going to offer up some prayers or whatever, and just continued in my life. Like I, I took a significant time uh, amount of time off work because when all of the sisters were there, we each decided we would take turns coming back for a couple of weeks. So I took um, time off of work. And I'm not saying this to like toot my own horn. I'm saying this because I want your listeners to think about what have you done in your life that is contrary to the negative beliefs you may have developed about yourself, mm -hmm. right? I was just about to uh, become licensed as a therapist. I was wrapping up my internship and I took three weeks off work. I didn't have enough time, you know, saved up at, you know, off time. There were coworkers who gave me their time. Mm -hmm. They gifted me, you know, four days of their vacation time. I mean, I could just cry thinking about it. But the point of sharing this is you know, you are, you have so much good in you that you don't give air time to mm -hmm. like, it's important to think of, like, if you're having a negative thought that you're selfish, you're not good enough. You don't care about other people. Think of times when you gave, when mm -hmm. you gave to other people, think of times when people gave to you and you use that for the good of others. Those times exist, especially as women, we could see all of this and other people lickety split, but it's really hard to see that in ourselves, you know, like, and a lot, a lot of times people will say, well, I can't think about those things because then I'm going to become arrogant or conceited. Yeah. If you're trying to prove to yourself that you're better than someone and then you're using those things as, you know, uh, points of evidence, then maybe you will become arrogant or conceited, but arrogance and conceit, they're not real. They're just you know, facades for someone that's insecure and that's hurting, you right. know, but right. if you're looking for evidence. All you're doing is looking for the truth, the truth of who you are, the truth of who God created you to be, or maybe the truth of who he's cultivated you to be over time. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, because growing up, I was very selfish. Like I didn't really have a lot of uh, like in my late teens and early twenties, I was because I you know, spent a lot of time taking care of my siblings. I didn't really have a lot of people looking after me. There were people who looked after me, but for the most part, I had to look after myself. And that turned into a selfish character and selfish nature. But if you're trying to, in the moment, combat negative thoughts and beliefs about yourself, look for evidence to the contrary. Look for the truth that God has put right in front of you and think on such things. Yeah, totally. Think on that. You are brave, and we talk a lot about being brave here. We look at brave in many different ways. It takes bravery and courage to take that deep introspection, that fearless moral inventory of, of who we are. It also takes courage and bravery to speak out of our mouth by faith that I am beautiful, I am talented, I am worthy, I am valuable. So it's it, pride works in the negative too. You, you know, if you can't agree with God and that's, that's what God says about you. He says you're worthy and perfect and holy and righteous. If you can't say that that's pride, you need to agree with God. Yeah. So 
I love your courage and I love your bravery. So these voices that come to us all, and sometimes it's a root that's something mm-hmm. within us. It's a label. It's a lie. It's something that got connected into our soul or spirit when we were young. And, but sometimes it's just a fiery dart, right? Sometimes we are free, but it's the enemy mm-hmm. whispering that old label to see if we'll bite again, see if we'll get hooked yes, up exactly. again. And so yeah, sometimes we just got to bat that down and defeat that, don't we? Exactly. Yeah. And it, and it is that like Ephesians, I think it's Ephesians uh, six talks about, you know, the fiery darts that are thrown by the enemy. I believe wholeheartedly that those are thoughts. Like some people say they're circumstances, but there's, they're not circumstances. Like there's nothing on the outside of you, circumstance, situation, relationship, or otherwise that can make you feel anything or make you do anything. It's what you're thinking about those situations, circumstances, relational issues that's going to bring on the feeling and then the resultant behavior. So yeah, you do have to cut it off at the source. And the way you cut it off at the source is finding a truth. Like when I'm doing uh, cognitive behavioral therapy with people, I teach them like how this work. And then I teach them how to find evidence to the contrary, because if you can train yourself, because you're like the negative thoughts are always going to come. right? Right. But, you know, you can train yourself to have the positive thoughts come by once the negative thought comes you, you normally you don't notice the thought what you notice is what you feel and you feel something so then if you ask yourself what did i just think about what automatic thought just popped up into my mind and then ask yourself what is the truth it's not about a positive thought the truth can be positive but positivity jesus said the truth shall set you free he didn't say positivity shall set you free you know, and so like finding what is the truth to combat that lie, that root that, you know, and that's the thing. It's like something will happen. And c- this is the path that I want your readers to understand. Something will occur. Okay. You will witness it and think something about it. And then you'll feel something about it. And then over time, it you be you develop a belief, you know, and that belief, well, you you agree with it. First, you agree with it mm-hmm. and you develop a, well, first you, I always get those two mixed up. You believe and then you make an agreement. And once you make an agreement, mm-hmm. the next step is a stronghold. Once something becomes a stronghold, you can still defeat it, but it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. through thought management, changing your thoughts, through prayer, through conversations, maybe even through therapy it's much easier to defeat it at its infancy stage when you first have that thought and take it captive. Like, like Paul said, you know, take that thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And you could even say something like thought of my not being good enough. I take you captive and I make you obedient to Christ. And because that that thought, yeah, thought the way you defeat it is you can say something like thought that I am not good enough. I take you captive and I make you obedient to Christ. We have authority in God's name, in Jesus's name. So if you're talking to a thought and it's a fiery thought of a fiery dart, it has to obey because you use Jesus's name. And because Paul said to take something 
captive, take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. So like when you do this, you might have to do it 20 times in one day. But if you're consistent about it, the next day, it might be 12 times. The next day, it might be seven times. And then you'll get to the point where that thought no longer comes because it has been made you know, obedient and your mind has agreed. Like the thought itself has to agree because of Jesus's name, but your mind produces all these neurochemicals that it gets used to, like the brain and the body gets used to. So your mind will offer up that thought over and over until you decide to put it it away in Jesus's name, you know, and you have to keep doing that Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really, I want you to say more about that just for a second. I'm in the process right now of writing my next book and I'm in writing on identity right now. And so exactly what you're saying, how powerful our identity is, that that which we're aware of, what we think we know about ourselves and that which is invisible, but it's still informing our self-esteem. And so what you just said is so, um, so important for us that the thoughts that come that in their infancy, we can put them down, but if they get stronger Mm -hmm. and stronger and stronger, yet they do become strongholds that now we have to uproot. Mm -hmm. But also that's not only a truth in the spirit dimension, it's a truth in our biochemical, right? In our, like now you, oh my gosh, stronghold Mm -hmm. is physical as well as spiritual. Yes. Yes, it is. It is physical and it's spiritual. Like I, I say it's neurochemical. Like a lot of times when it, once it becomes physical, that's when you start. Okay. So neurochemical and physical are two different things. Like neurochemical is your, your brain and your body releasing chemistry, whether it's the uh, stressful chemicals like cortisol, you know, adrenaline, the fight or flight, epinephrine, you know, the fight or flight, or whether it's the the good chemicals like dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, which is the bonding chemical or endorphins, something that what you get like when, with a really good workout. So you want to train your neurochemistry to uh, give you on the on demand those chemicals. What we're used to on demand is either cortisol or adrenaline, that fight or flight, you know, but you can train yourself to neurochemically dis- respond you know, from this side of the equation, the right side of the equation. When it's physical, it takes a long time to for to be physical, but uh, for some people it takes a short time because they're so used to thinking the way they're thinking. But what it looks like when it's physical, migraines, digestive issues, you know, um, uh, skin issues. Um, I remember being really, really stressed and, you know, I have like really like thick hair And you could see through my hair, like it was like really thinning. And that's because all of the stressors had uh, just piled up so much that they started manifesting in my body. And so when you're having like digestive issues and uh, migraines and your, your doctor, your medical doctor cannot find a medical reason, they call it a somatic issue, which means that there's an emotional issue that has grown to be so great that it's manifesting in your body and causing physical ailments. And so a lot of times I will get um, referrals from doctors, like doctors, you know, here in town will send one of their, their patients because it's like, there's no physical reason for this anomaly to be happening in this person. And it's usually that kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, skin issues, stomach issues, 
headache issues, things like that. And so if you can train your body to be aware of, and, and you'll feel it, like especially cortisol, you'll feel it in your gut, you'll feel it in your chest and you can feel the good ones too. Like if you wake up and, you know, because when you first wake up, your body produces a high level of serotonin and the melatonin goes down. When it's in the evening, the serotonin goes down and the melatonin rises so that you can go to sleep. But if you can get in touch with what that feels like emotionally, then you're clued in to your rising serotonin levels. And if you can go outside and get some early morning sun, that increases your serotonin. Serotonin, you know, helps you to feel good. You know, it's a, it's the alive and awake, you know, neurochemical. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you should do some research on that, Dawn, and put a lot of that stuff in your book because most people don't know about it. We don't even we aren't taught about it in school. Like they may be teaching people about it, like students about it and, you know, psychology school now, but that was a whole missing component. That's just something I stumbled upon in my own, you know, education, continuing education and research and things like that. But I think that people who write these kinds of books and I didn't put it in this one, like that's not in, in because I didn't know it at the time. This is in within the last year, I'm really learning about chemistry and how it is so important, you know, because you can put all these new mindsets in place, but if you're not training yourself to, because like we're, I call it, I say, we're all walking pharmacists and our body will produce what it's used to. So make it used to, you know, oxytocin and dopamine, you know? And I think, um, I just love what you're saying because, you know, we are body, soul, and spirit. We're a triune, mm -hmm. we're made in the image of God. And so we yes. have to understand our body and how it works. And and I feel like sometimes in our Christian walk, mm -hmm. the body's evil, the soul is evil, and we we only can focus on the spirit, which is renewed in God, but the rest of us is just evil. And the problem with not embracing the way God created us is that we're not learning how to yeah get our body in line, how to get our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, how to get that all in line. And it's a brave exploration to do such a investigation about who I am and what makes me tick. And that's, oh, yeah. you know, I love talking to you and you've done some of the push-ups for us here in this book, some of the <laughs> hard work of saying, think about this. And I can't believe our time is already getting away from us, but I do want to just ask you, if someone is struggling, how do they know if what they're having is just a bombardment of these thoughts that they have the power to pull down or maybe a deeper psychological uh, problem or issue? Do, is there a caution here for them? Yeah. Um, well, one of the ways that you can tell uh, the difference is like most um, thoughts, you know, they come and go and feelings can often, you know, come and go. Um, unfortunately, people don't sit with them to allow them to pass. They start making decisions or reacting to them. Like give yourself a beat, take a few breaths and, and check in with yourself, investigate, like what's going on for me right now. Are there, cause we don't, we're not always aware of all the thoughts we're having. We're aware of the thoughts we're having consciously, but subconsciously and unconsciously, not necessarily, but if you ask the question, the Holy Spirit will bring it up to you of what's going on and why you're thinking this. And so you can let that 
that thought and that feeling be momentary and fleeting. If it is starting to interfere in the functioning of your life, like if you're calling into work because you just can't go in, you're getting into arguments with your family, you're feeling isolated or wanting to isolate, then that's a sign of something that's uh, probably deep and psychological. And I would say reach out and get help for it. Explore it. It takes courage to explore because most people will stuff things under a rug by either working or getting into relationships or spending or eating or, you know, alcohol and drugs and things like that. It takes a lot of bravery and courage to go and sit on somebody's couch and pour out all of the thoughts and feelings that you're having and all of your relational issues so that that person can help you to tease out and navigate how to overcome that. Like, I believe we all have the answers already inside of us. A helping professional's job, a therapist or psychologist or your hairdresser, even, I think a lot of hairdressers are therapists, you know, can help you to move the debris, remove the debris so that you can, um, so that you can get to what those answers are that are deep inside. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does take courage. It takes bravery. And that's what we're all about. Encouraging women and any woman listening right now, that if there's something going on inside of you and you haven't just been able to sit with that and feel that, I think get a journal and begin to process. Ask yourself, is what I'm thinking really true? Question your assumptions. Don't just take for granted that what you're feeling is bringing to you truth. It can be deceptive, those emotions and those feelings. Tracy Terrace, your new book, One Truth, Many Voices. Did I say that mm -hmm. correctly? Any subtitle? Where can we uh, find many, it? Yeah, Many Voices, One Truth. It, it can be found on Amazon or at barnesandnoble.com. Yeah, beautiful. It's so great to have you on here today. What would you like to leave our brave-hearted sister with? One word of encouragement or something that I didn't ask you? Yeah, trust the um, trust your gut. I once heard a, a radio program that said these pastors were debating where is the Holy Spirit? Is He in your mind? Is He in your heart? And none of what they said resonated until someone said, "I believe He's in your gut." So that little kick that you get, go with that and start investigating that because sometimes the Holy Spirit is trying to redirect you or direct you into a specific area. But know that you are connected to God. Just build that connection and rely on it. Make it stronger, just like you make yourself stronger in the gym. Make yourself stronger in spirit through prayer, reading the word, and listening for the Savior's voice. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you so much. I agree. We often say, face your fear with a plan. And so if you're listening mm -hmm. today and you're just filled with fear, those are great steps to sit down, find a coach, find a therapist, get your journal, Whatever you do, don't do nothing. Your body will advocate for you and keep the score. And we want you walking in health and wholeness in every way. Tracy Terrace, so good to be with you. Thank you once again, my beautiful sister from California. We're not jealous. Um, <laughs> I hope that you're enjoying beautiful weather there. We will see you again. And for all of you listening, Don Damon, your brave heart mentor, I'll leave you like I always do. It's time for you to find your brave and live your dreams. Thanks for hanging out with me today and becoming brave. 
If this has helped you, be sure to share it with someone and subscribe so you never have to miss another episode. For more about me, my books, my coaching, or online courses, visit DawnDamon.com. And as always, be brave and live your vision.